Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast, where entrepreneurs come to learn how to live their truth, get rich, and make a massive difference in the world. I'm your host, Adam Force, co-founder at Change Creator and co-creator of the Captivate Method. Each week, we talk to experts about leadership, digital marketing, and sales strategies that you can implement in your business and life to go big. Visit us at changecreator.com forward slash go big to grab awesome resources that will help drive your business forward. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast. This is your host, Adam Force. Uh, I'm excited to chat today uh, with someone who is the CEO and founder of a company called Connective Impact. Um, And they're doing some really cool stuff, and she's a contributor over at Skull, really deep into the social entrepreneurship space, um, which obviously is big for us. Um, That's a direction that we have been going for years and what we're all about. So, um, her name is Joanne. Now, Joanne, I I, I had to have a hard time with uh, your last name, but I'm going to give it a shot, and I think it's Sonenshine. So, Joanne Sonenshine, um, and she is using this company, Connective Impact, to create collaborative approaches towards solving global problems. Um, So she's connecting people, uh, entrepreneurs, with key players, whether it's in government or other areas, to help get through different, you know, policies and updates. And, you know, when we're trying to create change in different areas of the world, um, it really helps when you know somebody that can connect you to the right people. Um, And that's something that they do, among other things. So we're going to dive into all that stuff. So She's really passionate about societal change, and she has devoted her entire career to supporting nonprofit decision makers, corporate leaders, different entrepreneurs. Um, also, they can scale their impact in the world, right? So she's also the author of a book called Purposeful Profits, Inside Successful Business Making, A Positive Global Impact, and Change Seekers, Finding Your Path to Impact. Um, so we're going to talk a lot uh, about the, the social entrepreneurs face challenges, successes, how she connects people. And, and you can see, you know, it might be investors, it might be government officials, whatever it is. And you're going to see how she might be able to kind of like help you get over certain barriers with your business. So this is a really great conversation. If you missed the last one, it was with Michelle McGlade and we really get into mindset stuff, which is so important. You know, 80% of the game here as an entrepreneur is in the mind. So... I love tapping into those uh, those conversations. So if you missed that, you can go back and check it out. Uh, last but not least, our June roster for the brand studio. So if you're looking for branding and website work, um, the June roster is full, but we are looking now uh, forward towards July. So if you are looking to, um, you know, you're not getting the sales, right? So what happens is we have people who are struggling because they're embarrassed. Well, you know, I've heard it specifically where people say, well, I'm embarrassed to send, you know, important clients or celebrities for partnerships to my website because it's just not reflective of who I am. It's not done professionally. And what happens is there's a couple of areas that cause sales to crumble and you don't have high conversion rates or they're inconsistent is, you know, you have bad first impression, you know, we're humans, first impressions matter. It builds trust and credibility. There's data out there that supports that. So a bad first impression, you lose somebody right away. They don't trust you. Um, you know, 
they're out. So you have leakage of the number of people that are going to want to work with you. Uh, number two is, you know, you have a bad user experience. People are confused. They don't understand what's going on between the the design of like what they need to do, but also the messaging. So things get really confusing and you lose it. Confused people never buy. Um, and then last but not least, you don't have a sales system, right? So, you know, we want to optimize as many people that come to the site. We want to make sure we're converting as many people as possible. They need to know how you're going to help them. You got to have a really smart sales system. So this is what we help with by creating really powerful branding that people fall in love with, but also setting up a high converting website. So you can go to our website, changecreator.com, go to our services and you can book a call. We'll do a strategy call, see if we're a good fit to work together. All right, guys, that's it. And that's all for July. Okay. That, that those bookings would be for July. Live. All right, guys, so we're going to jump into this conversation with Joanne. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Joanne, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Adam. How are you doing? Really excited to be here. I'm doing amazing. Um, everything has been nice here in Miami. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to kind of hearing what you're all about and pulling as many good tips and inputs as I can for, for everybody listening. So why don't you, um, you know, just kick us off a little bit and ground everybody with what you're all about and what's going on today, like what you're working on and stuff like that. Sure. I'd be happy to. Yeah. So I'm Joanne Sun and Shine. Um, I live just outside of DC in Arlington, Virginia. And um, my company is called Connective Impact. I am a development economist, so I've been working in the space of um, economic development, mostly in in uh, overseas countries, not here in the U.S. as much. But what we do is we help bring uh, companies together with nonprofits, funders, and in some cases, government organizations to really help build collaborations that are focused on mutual a mutual mission or goal, um, often in this space of, well, actually only in the space of social impact and sustainability. Um, so the company was founded in 2014. And I, I, I started the company after having spent uh, about 10 to 15 years here in Washington working in policy, uh, international NGO kind of program delivery and working with corporates on some of their policies around sustainability. And some things I'm working on, well, we just reconfigured our website, which is super, super exciting. And we've shifted our service delivery model a little bit. We were fee for service and now we're actually a membership organization, which has been really interesting to see that shift happen. Yeah. How does that, how does that work for your customers? Can you just like, what's the experience like for them now? Yeah. So it, it hasn't changed that much in practice. I would say a lot of it has changed on our side. Companies usually come to us because they know whatever it is they're trying to achieve in the social impact or sustainability space is tricky and requires effective partnership. And so whether it be them looking for diversified funding or implementation partners or other types of partners, like from a strategic perspective, right. they know that they need kind of a guide or a Sherpa or someone who knows different people within organizations who can help them achieve their goals. So that's what we do. And in terms of how it works now in a membership model, organizations pay us monthly and, and it allows us to, to kind of be more free and creative in how we pull partners together. We're not as concerned about who's paying for what. Everyone's kind of paying the same and we're in this together and we're trying to figure out how to, how to move the needle together through collaboration. Mm. Can you share an example of a scenario um, where a client is coming to you uh, with, I guess, one of those, you know, 
challenges that they need that support, right? Like what kind of unique challenges are people facing where your support is necessary? And then what does that experience look like? So how, how are we, what's the transformation for them? Yeah, it's usually a, a company um, or an NGO that's, you know, within the first few years of trying something new maybe in a particular uh, ge- geographic region or around a particular theme. So let's take climate change, for example. We're, we've worked with a company who had a new climate goal that they set internally for their business operations yeah. and um, were, were trying to deliver on that goal in a particular region in Central America. And, th- and they came to us to say, you know, we, we are slowly inching forward, but we cannot get to this goal without help. And what they needed in the case, so what we do is we figure out what is it that's going to help them achieve their goal? What type of partners do they need? Do they need uh, thought leadership partners? Do they need business partners? Do they need supply chain partners? Do they need funders? Do they need, you know, better ways of working with the governments in, in the Central American country where they're working? And once we nail that down, we can prioritize exactly who they should be engaging with and what that type of engagement will help kind of deliver on their goal. And then from there, we become matchmakers um, where we we are the ones reaching out to the potential partners, donors, government, whoever it may be, telling the story of our client. We now call them members of our members and and sharing about how, you know, a mutual goal delivery process would really benefit everyone through comparative advantage, which is one of my favorite economic principles. And uh, and then we we pull together the respective partners and facilitate introductions and then and actually get partnerships underway in the case of fundraising will also help advise on how to craft the right type of proposals or um, requests and things like that. Okay. So um, I do want to go back to a comment you made about the economic principle that you Mm. really like. Um, And so why don't you explain that? What was the economic principle that you mentioned that you said? Comparative advantage. Yeah. 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 Can you explain what that means for people? Sure. Sure. So it's, it's essentially looking at what your strengths are and looking at complementarity of others and how what you put into a particular engagement, collaboration, whatever, maybe partnership, relationship, kind of helps build up that other person's skill set vis-a-vis what they bring to your skill set. So it's, 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 it's basically looking at the effort that you need to take to do something alone versus the effort that a partner could help bring to make it easier for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like complementarity on steroids. And what we often think about when we're working with, with organizations that have very high reaching goals, right? If you're working in social impact, if you're a social enterprise, you're obviously trying to do a couple things at once. You're trying to make money and you're also trying to do something that's good for the world. And both of those things can be challenging on their own. And when you pull it all together, it, it makes it much more in, uh, an intensified process. So uh, comparative advantage just allows you to take a look at what you're best at as an organization and do the same for potential partners. And then look to see when you pull it all together, is the, is the sum greater than the, what is it? Is it 
is the sum greater than the parts or you know that that term yeah the sum greater than the whole is that yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yes yes i do know what you mean okay so that's interesting and yeah i mean there's just good alignment i guess through partners and how they elevate each other and things like that and how do you have the ability to make connections to you know whether it's i mean one of the most I guess tricky ones that stood out to me is, you know, if we had to get in touch and work through certain regulations with government and Mm -hmm. different policies like that stuff, I always find that's when things get really real. Like when you're running a social enterprise and you're trying to implement things that aren't standard practices, obviously, and you do need to get on board with people in the government and the communities and things like that. And, and I think that's overwhelming for young entrepreneurs when you're starting a business, you're in the States or, you know, wherever, and you're like, Oh, I want to like help these people out in this other country. But like, it's like so overwhelming. Like I have no idea. Like, is that, can I really do that? (laughs) You know, can I really, am I really going to go talk to the government and figure this thing out? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm curious like where your experience and how you have the ability to make those connections um, surfaced. Yeah. It, it's been a long time of, of building those networks and understanding of, of regulations and rules and policies and how that all interplays with um, impact work. You know, I, I started my career actually as a corporate bond originator on a, a trading floor in London and oh. And, you know, moved very quickly into a different space where once I saw poverty around the world, I realized that I didn't want to be making a lot of money selling bonds for for rich companies. Um, And I think once you start to travel and you see the world and you talk to people and you learn and you read and you um, you follow people and listen and learn, um, you know, you can, you can start to see the connections that must be made to, to create the solutions that we need for some of these global challenges, you know, and then once I moved into government work, I worked for the previous government for a period of time and was doing policy work on international trade. So, you know, in that sense, you do get an idea of how other governments work because we were having to negotiate with every government in the in the World Trade Organization. So it just it's over time you build these like little snippets of insights and then yeah. you pull all that together into into kind of how you use that on a day to day basis. Um, but I'm also an avid reader and an avid um, researcher. And then we've got a great research team here at Connective Impact that's that's tracking as much as we possibly can for our members. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. So if you become a member now, you have this ongoing access, right? So, and I could see the the value of having those connections, obviously, because getting your foot in the door, I mean, that's, that's challenging in any aspect of business, right? And so, especially when you're getting into, you know, different cultures and governments and and things like that. Um, so if I'm if if you are a member now, is that so people will have what what do you get access to as far as that kind of support? Right. Is it yeah. like because you talked about like, oh, we can help with certain proposals and, you know, getting uh, connected to certain people. So is it just that you on a regular basis have support from your team and you can say, hey, like, 
how often do you need a new connection? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fair question. And, And the answer is kind of. So we start every engagement with our members with an audit, a partnership and fundraising audit, where we go through what their needs are, what their their biggest interests were for joining Connective Impact. Um, And from there, we can prioritize what it is that they're really looking for. And then we have different levels. So it's a kind of entry level. You get access to three facilitated introductions at the institutional level. I think it goes up to 10 or 15. And then we have corporate and funder uh, memberships as well. And and then, of course, there's add-on opportunities outside of that. But in addition to the actual facilitated introductions, which I think most people value very highly, we also are doing quite a bit of engagement among the different member categories. So we're bringing folks from our from the funder network in to talk to our community of NGOs and social businesses. We're bringing corporates in to talk to, again, the implementers. We're trying to bring corporates together with funders to think a little bit more about like, how do you co-fund? How do you make the, the resource delivery much bigger than it already is? And so a lot of that interplay is also highly coveted and that's available all the time. You, know, through, you can contact other members through the member directory. We have events, we have all sorts of really cool um, ways to, to bridge the gaps that there currently are between the funding and the doing. Okay. And so you're saying that you actually, when you do the audit, if there's a need that is, you know, for funding, mm-hmm. that there's support in that area too? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So a lot of our work kind of is in that fundraising space, um, whether it be with philanthropic donors through grants or impact investors, Mm. which for your audience might be really interesting, or in some cases, public money. So again, international development, we do a lot of work with like USAID and State Department and here in the US and then other countries as well. They're similar agencies. Um, So yeah, so through the audit, we'll figure out what is it they're looking for? Are they looking for funding? Well, then we know that we need to direct our attention to funders. Are they looking for implementing partners? Then we look at our doer community, you know, and so that helps us really direct our attention. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you, I feel like a lot of times companies will jump the gun with, I need funding, Mm. right. Or I need money and they're not building the business um, and learning how to actually create a sales system and make money and do those things so that they can be sustainable. And they just like, Oh, we just need to get money. But then when they get the money, they don't really know how to create those sales systems and it just burns money. Yeah. How do you, do you see these like premature, um, I guess, desires for funding? And do you, how do you handle that? Somewhat. I would say most of the, the groups that come to us have a good sense of what they would do with the money. I will, I agree with you. If, if a business or an enterprise, you know, is, is just getting started, there's kind of this, this incentive to fundraise and get the equity investors and see, yeah. you know, yes. stage A, stage B, whatever it is. Um, but if they come to us and they don't have a clear sense of their vision and short, medium and long-term goals, as well as the social impact piece figured out or enough so that we can start doing the matchmaking, then yeah. we're not, they're not ready for us. We don't see a ton of it, but we certainly have. And we have said to, to companies, you know, why don't you go kind of work on your strategy and then come back? 
then we can talk a little bit more about about funders. But that that vision is critical. And also thinking about how you're going to pair the ROI from a financial perspective with the social impact is really important. Mm, it's tough. Yeah. It's not easy. No, it's not. And and we all want to like make sure, you know, we're helping people the best way we can. So I'm always curious. And if you're talking to a lot of these different social enterprises, you know, just maybe some of those circumstances, they always stick out in my mind. I, and then, you know, we work with a lot of entrepreneurs and I see that too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm always curious on how people are kind of thinking about that. And if you've had different experiences. So um, I, I would be curious to know of, can you share maybe at um, one or two of the types of businesses maybe that you've worked with successfully and, you know, what kind of businesses is, is there a common ground between the types of businesses that tend to reach out aside from just social enterprise, but just, yeah. you know, e-commerce versus, you know, other forms of services, um, so many different things. So I'm curious who tends to be, looking for this type of support from you? Yeah, from us, it's it's companies that have international operations and are often sourcing products from uh, vulnerable populations. So an example would be we have a member that's a shea butter uh, producer. So she she sells shea butter products here in the United States to retailers that you know we're familiar with. And she sources the shea in West Africa from women shea butter producers who she supports through a fair price. And yeah, um, you know, your your listeners have probably heard about the whole like fair trade concept, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of our work, my I spent a lot of time working in food and agriculture in the field. So helping support smallholder farmers that were growing things like coffee and cocoa and tea and spices and fruits and vegetables. Um, they're incredibly poor and they're not paid very well, um, despite what we think when we pay for a $4 cup of coffee. Um, and so there's a lot of work right now to help kind of bring up the living wage, but also support basic necessities for the people that are growing our food or making our clothing that are, um, producing things like soap. Um, and so, so she's created an amazing program and, and we have been trying to help kind of bring some additional resources to bear for her, for her company. Um, we do a lot of work actually in coffee and cocoa, tea spices, what I mentioned before, those types of companies. Um, and what they've come to us for is support in bringing financial resources to the programs that they already have in place to help leverage some of these improvements to the producers. Yeah. And I'm curious on your KPIs, your, your key performance uh, indicators, like what you look for as with your business um, obviously is the success of the clients and members that you're working with, obviously making those connections, helping them make progress. Um, But I'm curious if you're also looking at how your connections are elevating communities like the one you just spoke about like what does it mean to them because now we have fair trade sourcing and you know different pipelines where um that could improve the community and and their workflow it's an excellent question and we are a b corp so in order to report to b lab we do have to think about how the work that we're doing is impacting people in communities all over the world it's not easy to track that when we are not the ones doing the actual work on the ground, but we do try to get a sense of what 
what our partnerships bring. So I'll give you an example. We were working with a pretty large um, coffee company that that everybody knows, coffee beverage company, and they we paired them with an NGO uh, working in Mexico and to do an, a number of things. But one of the biggest um, results that we wanted to see out of that partnerships were increased income for the farmers. And we were able to improve incomes. I think it was something like 40% for, you know, like 1,100 farmers, which the encouragement for us is that if we hadn't gotten that partnership in place, those 1,100 farm families wouldn't have improved income. So we use indicators from our members, whatever we can get to show that our partnerships are meaningful, but it's something that we're really focused on for the future to, to better track that. Um, not yeah. just number of partners, not just funding, but like, what is the real impact here? And that's important yeah. to me. The actual economic impact. I mean, like what is the, and, and that may take time, right? Yeah. So that doesn't, it's not like, Hey, we started this new member and in a month we're going to know, you know, it, it could be a year or two before we see actual economic change of, you know, what is the average income for the community or, you know, things like that. Um, even I'd be curious just on survey data from the community, you know, is your life different? Are things better? Do you see a difference in the community around you? Like just yeah. stuff like that. I always, I love to see those results and I, I wish they were easier to capture, <laughs> but they're like big efforts. And I know it's tough like when we're smaller companies to really capture those things. But um, I guess when our eye is on the prize sooner or later, they start to surface as long as we're thinking about them and we're looking for that, you know? Um, and I just love the, the potential behind that from your efforts, which I think is just cool because you can help the entrepreneur and the more successful that entrepreneur becomes, then the more successful that community can be. And it's a really good domino effect, right? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, and there's a lot of talk right now, particularly in the B Corp community about tracking impact and, and it has to be dynamic. It evolves. It's, it's not, it's not static, as you say. And so it makes it really complicated, but really yeah. important. And it helps for us entrepreneurs, it helps us direct our resources better. And, well, and there's the, the governments there. Like I know there's a lot of statistic analysis done in the U.S. for average incomes, different households, you know, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you can gather that every few years. Are other governments even do they even have the resources and, and processes set up to capture that kind of data? They do. They do for the most part. But I would say in certain places, there are some pretty remote communities that are not touched as, as well by the government. That's true here in the U.S., right? And it's it's sometimes a, an invasion of privacy to have a company knock on the door and say, like, how has your income improved this year, right? Like, we don't necessarily all talk about that very openly. So you have to be kind of careful. But yeah, there's a ton of work being done in like household surveys and community, like through apps. And, you know, there's a lot of now app-based surveying, which is takes the privacy element, you know, a whole step further. Yeah, so yes, yeah, there yeah. is a lot of that being done, which definitely helps. It's interesting. Yeah, I guess there has to be some form of reporting to really get that data from the actual, you know, worker, basically. Yeah. Otherwise, because yeah. you, you wouldn't even know, do you have a job or not, unless someone is telling you. So there's really no way to know unless the employer can say, well, I have now 30 people at this 
wage, which means two years ago, we had 10 people at a lower wage. Now we have 30 people at a higher wage. So there would be from the employer, some type of statistical assessment that could help without getting input from the end user. Yeah. I, I, I get, I mean, I just, cause what I always love is like, I see other groups um, where they bring in like solar to communities and it's, it's, they do, they're able to measure how many households are now have certain things and what that means to those families. And it's really great to see the fruits of people's efforts. You know, it what I mean? is, it <laughs> is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we work with a group called the global, global living wage coalition. Um, so would encourage people if you're, if they're interested to look there, they, they do a lot of that. Okay. Um, and, and most of the businesses that we work with have some pretty good, we call it an in development monitoring and evaluation systems in place, but okay that is still um, always a work in progress. Yeah. I, I would be curious if you have noticed, um, like if I was sourcing shea butter or coffee or something and you work with, great. I know one of our first interviews and first magazine covers with Jake Orak for Ethnotech Bags and he sources hand artisan made like fabrics for his bags and stuff and supports their culture. Yep. And um, I love all that stuff. And I'm, I, uh, I'm curious if, um, shit, I was losing my thought. I shouldn't have made that last example. Ah, what was I just going to say? Um, it was about sourcing certain products. Oh man, it'll come back to me. I promise. No worries. No worries. <laughs> no, but I will say, I'll just kind of, you gave, you gave a great example about yeah. the ethno bags here yeah. in the U S I will say there is a, still a little bit of a lack of awareness about how important it is to support growing enterprises that are built in these type of, of social impact models. Yeah, yeah. And so the more that we can do to educate our population here lifts everyone up. That's, right? that's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I remember my thought and I agree with okay. you. And, and part of my, the equation here, I always look at life as this like algorithm and I'm looking at this saying, okay, great. So we could pay fair wages for people who are in those spaces, right? cultivating the coffee, the soaps and things like that. Um, is there, have you seen companies coming in or other efforts in those communities to help inform people through education so they could start doing things in certain ways that will get them more fruitful results in, in their communities and their lives. So it's not just keep doing the same thing. We're going to pay you a decent wage, but if you could do it this way and you can operate this way, it'll be even more beneficial. Like, is that happening too? Absolutely. There is a lot of that happening. And I'll just, um, you live in Miami. So you probably yeah. see the influx of, of migration coming from, you know, part South to United States. It's a, it's a political challenge. It's an economic challenge. The reason why these people are coming, you know, north is because they don't have the economic benefit. They don't have the safety nets. They don't have um, a feeling of, of freedom of democracy. And so what we're finding is that a lot of businesses that are investing in those regions, as well as the U.S. government and other governments are trying to build out foundations that are supporting business improvements, technology adoption, innovation for youth and women, um, so that the foundation is better so that their yeah. baseline is better so that people don't feel the need to leave their homes, but they can actually improve their productivity on if whether it's farms or through whatever they're doing in their countries. 
Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's not to say that, that in certain instances, um, there is a need to leave an unsafe scenario, but if the economic vibrancy is there, it makes it so much more attractive to stay and to Mm -hmm. build and to grow. And that to me is the, is the future of social enterprise is let's help whoever wants to create a business or be successful or have you know, a, a, a something that they believe in. Let's make sure the resources are there for them to build it for themselves and and grow it. And I don't care if you're here in the U.S. or you're in other places, parts of the world. We all want to feel that sense of fulfillment and ownership. Yeah. And so, yes, there is a lot happening. There is still so much need. So much um, need. Yeah, it's tough. <clears throat> and I, I see a lot of social entrepreneurs, when I first got into the social entrepreneurship space and doing what I do, um, one thing that has happened a lot is people who are entrepreneurs in the social impact space, I would say 65 to 75% of the time they are, they come to me saying, well, money's not a priority for me. I'm just trying to make an impact. Uh, and wow. <laughs> yeah. You don't see this a lot with the, I mean, maybe no, people, it's always the other way around. <laughs> oh, I got it. Oh, well, We've got the impact. To, we need We need more, more money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating. And I'm like, well, if you feel that way, you're not going to make, <laughs> you're not going to have money to run the business and have yeah. an impact. And they're, they don't connect those dots. And so where I was going with that was I was curious and it sounds like you're not seeing that. So, maybe when people are at a certain stage and they're reaching out to you, they are at that stage because they're beyond that thought process. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, listen, as a, as an, a social entrepreneur myself, I often grapple with that. I have a business coach who'll say like, you have to pay yourself. You need to make sure that you're pricing properly. Right. Yeah. We all do that. Um, no, by the time they come to us, I would say most of their impact goals are set to an extent. There's often this need to grow and scale and replicate and all that, but what they are needing, is something, whether it be a partner or a funder, um, to take them to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's where we come in. Love it. Awesome. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. So we've been chatting for a while. Um, where can people learn more about what you're doing? So anybody listening, you have a social enterprise, you're looking for those connections, you need to get support on some of those more complicated processes and things like that. This could be a great opportunity because it just takes a weight off your shoulders when you have people that have the Rolodex, have the networks and the experience, right? So um, I love the service that you're providing to, to help elevate these guys. So where, where can they go to learn more and connect? Well, thanks, Adam. I appreciate that. Um, so connectiveimpact.com is where they can go. And if they click through, they'll see all of our different membership levels. If there's ever any questions, you know, please reach out. We often host uh, public events as well, webinars and workshops. So I would encourage folks to look at our resources page to learn about those and join anytime just to get a sense for what we're doing and what we're talking about and, and who's involved in our community. Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Joanne. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Great to be here. Thanks for tuning into the Change Creator podcast. Visit us at changecreator.com forward slash go big to get access to free downloads and other great resources that will drive your business forward.